This episode is brought to you by livingrelief.com, a Wolfpack-owned business that is your source for Delta-8, CBD, THCV, gummies, tinctures, chocolates, all North Carolina-based quality products that can help with sleep, anxiety, pain, and countless other medical benefits. Highly recommend checking these guys out. Their stuff is really good. And if you use code REDWHITE20, you get 20% off your first order. That's REDWHITE20. LivingRelief.com. Living, R-E-L-E-A-F.com. Thanks for listening. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. Apes that ain't fools. Run through the night. Playing with your life. All right, folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here on International Podcast Day. Have you hugged your podcast host today, Will? How are you doing? No, that could be a violation of HR terms. <laughs> um, I'm good. We've got some craziness happening at work, so uh, this will be a nice uh, break for a few minutes, for sure. Well, speaking of break, we're going into the bye week this week but let's just take a quick run down memory lane for last week how did you feel with the performance of the team and all that jazz for louisiana tech game got the w that Mm -hmm. was key Mm -hmm. um i would say i was a little frustrated with the start um play calling timmy like, I know it's not ideal to start your opening drive from, like, the 5 or the 10-yard line, but I wasn't enjoying seeing us go, you know, up the middle twice, and then I, I, I can't quite tell what the pass options really were on that play. So I just didn't feel like we started out strong with the game plan. Um, it felt like we were letting them hang around far too long. Um, you know, there was a complete shift going into and out of halftime where they all of a sudden started throwing the ball a lot more at the start of the drives and was immediately moving the ball. So I guess my feeling was I'm glad we won. I'm annoyed that Louisiana Tech did not want to lose in the second (laughs) half. You know what I mean? Like they just did not get the fucking hint uh, that they were supposed to lose. And, you know, I think they – that was probably the perfect game to go into a bye week because it shows you we got a lot of crap to still work on. Right. Um, and it can't just be come out and do the same thing. Before I give you my thoughts, I want to give you Ed from LA's thoughts. He left us a call before the game, and I meant to play this before I asked you that question, but here's what Ed had to say. Typical. I know. Morning, guys. Ed from uh, You Know Where. <laughs> Saturday morning, getting ready here to uh, leave on an early morning flight, heading back to the Midwest. I listen to your pod, and I agree uh, with most of everything you said. Evan, I don't know if State is going to have a letdown or not, but I would expect that after last week, um, it's not going to be a blowout. My my honest assessment on this one is uh, closer than the experts think. I think a uh, a 21-10 or a 24-14 type win for NC State. I think you're right about the defense. I think they're better than uh, than most people think. It'll keep us in more games. Hopefully there are no turnovers. And, hey, one more thing. No more season-ending injuries for the defense. Got to keep everybody healthy. So I think State wins, but closer than the experts think by 10. Go back. So, you know, when Ed from L.A. is – Predicting W's, <laughs> you know people are starting to feel pretty good about this team. <laughs> I mean, that spread, like when you go back and look at it, it's kind of yeah. like, boy, what were the indicators that were really... I, well, I, I can tell you what it was. They they clearly thought Austin Kendall was not going to play. Um, I bet if they had known Kendall was playing all week, <clears throat> that spread would have been a lot tighter. I don't know, probably still like a 10 or 12 point spread or something like that, but... I, I think he could have had that impact. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like, hang on. Let me jump in on that one. Sure. Because Austin Kendall, like before that game, even before the season, 
I didn't think he was going to be that the type of player that is going to move a line like that. Now, I'll give him respect. He played his ass off. He played like a guy with nothing to lose and like a guy who was just selling medical equipment before the year. I don't know how many times I said that on the broadcast. They only but, had one talking point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, legit. They were That broadcast was terrible in contrast to the RG3 broadcast from the Clemson game. They were quite different. But I didn't think Austin Kendall was going to be that big of a difference maker. Like, if he played or not, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. It clearly was. Uh, he was clearly better than – he was better than what I thought. He was composed. You know, he played – with a lot of grit, honestly, somebody texted me into the game and was just said, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but they said I trade Leary for Kendall right now. And I was oh, like, wow. You know, uh, I, I kind of get where they were coming from just because he was that kind of experienced kind of gamer. I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but he was just a guy like that was just refusing to let his team lose. And, yeah. That comes with experience and age and all that jazz. And so I think that's the angle they were coming from. But the greater point was that people were impressed with Austin Kendall, me included. I thought he played really well. I don't think that was the same Austin Kendall we saw at Oklahoma or West Virginia. You know, I think this yeah. is a, clearly a more mature player. I Well, I, I will say, like, I mean, his wide receivers made some, like, awesome catches. And, like, that I too. mean, yeah, that too. you know, kind of a a freakish performance kind of on both sides where we were getting lots of pressure on him and the ball was, you know, just happening to find its way to the right spot. Cause there were a lot of times where our guys were draped all over them and right. uh, they were still coming up with those catches. So, you know, I mean, Louisiana tech has a lot more transfer talent than, you know, maybe we would have thought of years ago if we had played them. Um, Skip Holtz yeah. is not a terrible coach. Um, but clearly has made several last minute decisions this season that have probably cost him games. Um, you know, I mean, I think maybe he was a little bit more mobile than we were expecting. Um, it looked like the linebackers in particular kept overrunning, um, when he would break out kind of laterally and then he would kind of just cut back in. I mean, he's he, there's a reason he was a, a four star athlete, and there's you know, right. state wanted him, yeah. And um, I do agree. He's I mean, he's what like probably three or four years older than Leary is at this point. I mean, there's just some stuff that was just a little savvy um, of him, just the way he was doing his slides and trying to draw hits and things like that. Um, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, yeah. it's like yeah, it's the last time. I mean, this is his last season of football. Like, there's no pro career ahead for Austin Kendall. So, uh, you know, I'm not surprised he's going all out. Um, But yeah, you know, I mean, I I would also say, like, if we had played them the second week of the season versus right after Clemson, I think you might have seen a little bit better performance out of us as well. Um, You could tell the team was kind of sluggish in some departments. Um, and that's why I thought it would have been really important to um, put in some play calling that would have maybe been a bit more aggressive um, to try and open it up early and, and give the guys some encouragement, some motivation to try to get this game done. But, you know, I mean, shout out to the defense. You know, it's the sign of the season. The defense is going to probably win all these games for us in some way. And uh, that was a great interception by Jakeen Harris. Um, if he hadn't, I mean, you could see him running across in the, in the, in the replay of it. I mean, he, he knows where it's going, but if he doesn't know for some reason, you know, if he's having like a freshman moment, I mean, that's an easy touchdown catch. Yeah. That guy bodied, um, I think it was Engel. He bodied him out. That receiver, I don't know if it's a tight end or receiver. He was pretty big and he essentially just boxed out Ingram. I mean, not Ingram, Engel, like the previous on the previous drive or previously in that quarter, the guy did the same thing to Chris Ingram. Like, yeah. big wide receiver just essentially boxed him out. Yeah, it certainly give us some stuff to work on. Um, it was frustrating because the ESPN Plus speed for that game was well behind Twitter and real world. And so, 
you know, the final two minutes were like miserable to watch because I was doom scrolling Twitter, trying to get updates and, uh, and ESP. And then we just kept taking so many damn timeouts at the end that, uh, it, it was just a hard game for the fan experience. And yeah, the, the announcers were awful. Um, but you know, whatever, man, that game's over. We knew it was probably going to be a grinder. Um, you know, we kind of saw, I mean, I saw the things I wanted to see out of the rest of the ACC that day. Um, you know, so BC is not going to be an easy out. Wake, I think, is a bit fraudulent still. Um, FSU hasn't quite given in yet. So, you know, it's going to be a tough post-bye week, I guess is the way I'm looking at it you know, the run that's going to be necessary. At least Miami looks beatable. So if you can go up to BC and win that game, you're not going to feel like Miami at Miami is going to be uh, a huge problem. But I don't know. It was just one of those games where you just wanted it to end as fast as possible with us having one more point than the other team, at least. Yeah, you know, I I feel like that was the perfect post Clemson pre bye week game. Like that team was good enough to punch us in the mouth and sort of bring you back to earth. Because if we had played a cupcake before going to the bye week, we'd be feeling all good about ourselves. And you go up to, to Boston college and don't know how good they are, but they're going to play hard. They're going to play tough. You can see they played Clemson hard. They sh- probably should have won that Clemson game. They just literally fumbled it away at the end. So I like playing that Louisiana Tech game, and that team was that team's pretty good. I don't think it'd be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if they go eight and four, nine and three the rest of the way out. There's nobody really left on their schedule that is going to really challenge them enough. Like you know, they played so they lost to a good SMU team at the last second, lost to Mississippi State, lost to us. I just don't see many teams that are going to beat that team. I think they're pretty good. So I think that was a really good matchup for State going into the bye week and before another very important game in that BC game. I thought it was really uh, – that couldn't have worked out much better, I don't think. Yeah. And I, I agree. agree. Nah. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say the, the defense, right? We've talked about defense keeping us in games, but the issue I have is more with why is that the case? Because the offense has enough talent that – they should be more competitive than that, or they should be more of an asset than what they are. And I know Tim Beck's MO is to run the ball and you know rely on that, so to speak, that aspect of the game. I just wish that they would see that, hey, Louisiana Tech's bad with pass defense. They are near the bottom of college football in – Defending the pass. Excuse me. And I don't see us exploiting them. And that is a, just a common thread that I've seen over and over with with Dave and his coaching staffs. So I just wish that they would just say, all right. Like, I know they were going. What they're trying to do is, hey, we're going to establish a run. We're going to just win by running on this team. Right. And every time we try to do that, it never works. And it always requires a change in the second half for us to, you know, find some kind of rhythm and just like assert your dominance because they couldn't stop. They couldn't stop the pass. We moved the ball as we wanted to. And what did that do? That allowed us to run the ball like we wanted to. I just, I, I see that trend over and over again with how we come out in these games offensively. And it's so conservative. So hey, we're just better than you. We're going to push you around, and and we're not, we're not there. Especially against a team like Louisiana Tech, that's pretty good. It's really that's the thing that really stands out to me most is hey, we have the defense to do it, but the offense keeps putting them in these positions to have to do it, and I don't like that at all, man. I think that at the end of all this, Tim Beck's time, Dave's time, whatever's going to be, that's going to be my main criticism with how they, how they coach and the style that they play. Because I feel like that's a constant thread year after year. Am I crazy? 
No, I don't think you're crazy. I... <clears throat> Gonna pop open my computer real quick here because I um I had kind of compared this the first drives of each half with each other the other day. I think I put it down in Excel, so maybe I'll see if I can pop it up real quick and verify this when I say this. But um I think we ended the half like basically even for runs and passes the first half. Um and our scoring drives, I think for the most part, were pretty balanced. When we did score, I guess the thing I'd like to just understand is, do they open the game like they did because they wanted to see if they could just out physical them from the start and then they were going to shift their gears to passing or not? I don't get it. I I mean, I just don't believe in this day and age that you want to dangle any bit of hope in front of a team. And so... You know, maybe Dave comes out and says, or Beck says, yeah, we were conservative on that first drive in particular because we didn't like being backed up. You know, we're raw after that week with that week with Clemson. We just don't want to accidentally start in a hole. Okay. But it didn't feel like they shifted until the final drive of that half. And then they came out firing. I think they had like six straight passes or five passes in one run. In um, to open the second half, and again, they were moving the ball very well with the passes, and then they had like a three yard run, if I recall, and it kind of stopped the the first the first drive of the second half. Um, give me one second here. Yeah, so drive one, two runs, one pass. Drive two, six runs, six passes, a touchdown. Then it was like two and two, one and two, two and three, one and two. Then the final drive of the half, one and five, and we were really moving the ball. Um, I think that ended in a punt, if I remember. But then we opened up the second half with one run, five passes. We ended up punting. Um, then we scored real fast with Ricky on the next drive. And then it was super balanced. Three and four, four and four, five and four, and then two and one um, to end the game. And then we ended the game 31 runs, 40 passes, I think is what the total was. So... Yeah. I guess to me, I just I think a lot of people would like to see the flip of that maybe and start start with that first drive of the second half and and then get balanced from there. But I don't know. I I just don't like seeing us run two straight like a gap runs basically. Or it, it just it it felt weird. Um, I'd be curious to see what some of the breakdowns of the game look like. I know. Um, I haven't listened yet, but I think uh, did Henderson like go off on on play calling? Like, I, I, my bigger problem is the personnel decisions. Like, right? Yes. there was a critical. It was either third or fourth down, and the hot read I think was Tootle. Um, Lassane was in there a couple times. I, I just don't get it. Uh, it. Now maybe the guys were like, maybe a guy like rolled an ankle or something. Like, I don't know. But it just seems like often we have these critical plays and it's like, we're really banking on Penix, whatever. He, he's at least done special you know, trick plays in, in, in a short term, but I don't know. It, it didn't feel like we were setting ourselves up for success with personnel groupings the whole game. Maybe they're trying to tweak something, but I don't know. I'd save the experimenting for the bye week, I guess. Yeah. Is how I feel. And, you know... You sit there in the second half, and you're you know we get the two touchdowns, and you're like, all right, here we go. Let's we're gonna put these assholes away, and then yeah, you know, then they drive down and get a touchdown. And I kept thinking to myself, would we be here if we had had the second half game plan? Maybe the running in the first half helped soften it up. I don't know, but they were what like sitting back in cover two the whole time. It's not, I don't know. It just it didn't seem like a great game plan. It just seems like everyone was trying to get to the bye week. Uh I mean, Jordan came out and said it at halftime, right? I think he said he was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know why we're doing this. Or, like, he made some insinuation about the play calling. And I was like, it's your fucking team, dude. Yes. Can't you get on the headset and say, Tim, like, let's let's shift gears for a minute. I agree on the the personnel as well. You know, to me, the guy guy that is clearly... Not being utilized is Porter Rooks. Yeah. 
Every time he comes in, a play, in the game, he makes a play. Like every time they look at him, he makes a play. Whether it's a a good catch or just getting open and just being dynamic, and to not utilize him more is really baffling to me. Uh, we're just relying on the three, you know, Amezi, Carter, Thayer, and then you're, now they're mixing in C.J. Riley and Tootle more and Penix. I'm like, dude, these are not like. Um, my thoughts on CJ Riley are not, uh, you know, not a secret to anybody. Hey, man, the fact that he is in the game over some of the other guys, especially in that situation where, sure, he got the touchdown pass, but it wasn't like they threw a jump ball to the the six five guy. They, they they threw a, like a little in slant hitch. I don't know what, it, what route I, it was, but I think it's good to see a little different element of him. But I mean, I think I've been clear at this point. Like CJ Riley is a twenty yards and in. Red zone yeah. type threat at this point, right? I right. mean, it's just it, it hasn't really worked out. Now, maybe it's in, maybe it was injury injury related or something like that. Maybe they're just trying to load manage a couple of the guys. Like I could get that, but yeah, to your point, it's like where's Porter Rooks? He's clearly yeah. a step above in talent. And is it? I mean, I haven't. I didn't go back and look. Like when he was in the game, was was Thayer also in? Like were they doing a dual? dual slot like i just thought we were going to see a lot more of him i thought they were going to work in julian gray more um like every time i see lasane out there i'm like can't one of the other guys who seem to have way more upside be in the game yeah or is lasane just looking great in practice and like we're just it just hasn't clicked in a game yet i don't know yeah i don't necessarily hate Putting Keon in there, I know he's he's fast and all that jazz, and he hasn't been a liability, right? He hasn't dropped passes or any of that stuff. But I I feel like mix, he- just mixing in the rotation with uh, Lasane and Brooks and Gray and these other guys, like you don't have to pull everybody out. Like you want Carter and Amezi in there, I get it. They're reliable. They make you feel good, but you need some somebody dynamic in there. I think Rooks, when Rooks was in, Thayer had been moving to the outside, but I don't know if that necessarily was the case. I'm trying to find the participation but, report. But aren't they putting Lasane on the outside? Like that's that's the question I kind of have. Is I don't know. I need to go back and watch. Is are we optimizing where how we're using these guys? And you know. I don't know if I'd really mind if Rooks was playing more than Thayer. I know that's like right. sacrilege, right? But um, <laughs> he is clearly a plus. He is Thayer plus, I guess is the way I think of it. He has yeah. got more combinations that he can run and exploit. Um, so to me, it's just kind of weird. I mean, it's also strange. It's like you get different answers on this. Like, at one point, Doran said it was Joker Phillips' decision on yeah. the personnel that's in there. Then there's another comment saying it's Tim's decision, and then it's like Tim, then Dave like indicates like he needs to be like, like I don't know, man. I've never clearly I've never coached a football team, but to me, <laughs> I think it's pretty easy for me to go through my head and be like, okay, who are my top five wide receivers? Okay, I'd like to see most of them play. This yeah, is just odd to me. This is the target numbers. I can't find the participation, but the target numbers, Thayer had seven, Amezi had nine, Devin Carter had five. I felt like he had a lot more than that. He only had three catches, which I think is weird. They were just big catches, I guess. I was about to say, but they were grown-ass man catches. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Toodle and Rooks both had four targets. CJ Riley had three targets. Jakeen Harris had a target. I'm not sure how that works. Jakeen. That's got to be a miss. That's got to be a mistake. Whoever had that, whoever has his number on offense, probably four. I think so. It might be Rooks. I think Is that right. Hold on. I'll look no, up. Fagan was four. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right there. Bam had two. Lasane had one. Parham had one. Ricky Person had two. I can't find the participation play charts. Is it? Did you? I I really thought we'd see more like running back passes as well. Um, to this point, yes. So, I just uh, all year I've been thinking about that. 
that's just another way to get the ball into their hands. I just we haven't seen it. I'm just not sure what. Again, it, it, this is a common thread, and I'm starting to hear other podcasts pick up on it too. Like, what the hell is NC State's offensive identity? You know, and I don't know what it is, and I don't think you can be a super super successful team. Like we want to take it to the next level. I don't know if you can be that next level good without having an offensive identity. And that to me is the biggest question mark, right? Just do what you're good at, right? Don't just run because you think you can push a team around. Well, it, it reeks of, and you know, here's the thing, like everyone says this, but it reeks of balance. Like we want to be right. balanced, right? Okay. Yeah. But Balance could mean one week that the pass is more effective than the run, so you're going to hammer the pass. And then the next week, it's it's all about are you able to, when you want to do it, that you can do it well. Right. And I still haven't seen anything this season. I'm just ignoring that first game. I still have not seen anything this season that says, like, we're going to be able to run at will on someone. But I have seen us pass really well, and it open up the run game. So... right. I don't know. I mean, we've seen them come out of the bye week multiple times now. Uh, once with Beck and plenty of times with Doran where they've shifted their gears coming out of it and self-scouted pretty well. Sometimes it's frustrating when casual fans can self-scout you pretty quickly. Um, yeah. You know, so maybe it's just a, well, we haven't lost yet, so let's let's keep tweaking and see if we can find something that works. Um like, I don't know, I want to go, I guess I want to go back and watch this game. I don't know if I really do. But I want to go back and see if, <laughs> do we do more of those zone runs like we did the previous week, or did we change back? Um, you know, so I'm, I guess I'm curious to kind of see what occurred in this game, but I don't know. As a podcaster, I too appreciate the fact that we have a bye week. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, agreed. One of the things that, one of my biggest takeaways is, one, we won and avoided the letdown, so you know all is good there. But I, I just continue to find myself questioning Tim Beck, and I know there's been a few, and I hate to even give these people credit because it's, <laughs> it's going to make them happy. But a few people that have all had said, you know, look at his time at Ohio State, look at his time at Texas, look at his time at Nebraska, and it's the same same criticisms. And I think we are feeling and seeing that come to life. But this is a common thread under Dave. And this is what I have my issue with. Like, I just want an identity. I want them to. And I think it plays out in the polls, right? If we're going to take this, extrapolate this even farther, I think this plays out in the polls. What you're seeing now is had you blown out Louisiana tech, you'd probably be getting a little bit more respect, so to speak. And had you been competent against Mississippi State, it'd be a completely different story, right? They'd be the talking, the talking point of the ACC. Hey, is this team for real? Can they do this? You know, and how good are they? Right now, we're just we're borderline in the polls, right? Yeah. And it's just, I think that it's all again perception and how people see us and see the program. And right now everybody sees us say, eh, they might be okay. They might be good. You know, we don't know. They beat a couple bad teams. They beat one good team that's having a bad year. You know, just, and we're not asserting any dominance on people. And I think we're good enough to be doing that. I don't know what the hell, what the problem is. And maybe it was just the post Clemson apathy. Yeah. But, yeah, that is that is my biggest concern. Like they need to find some life. They need to find some identity. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think if in three weeks we're leaving Miami six and one, that will um that'll be a pretty different story as far as rankings. Typically well, I don't know, maybe I chose a bad year. I was going back and looking at 2019, and I was like, all right, where where are we eight weeks into the season then? And shockingly, there's a lot of teams from 2019 that were 6-0, 5-1. But my guess is, if you keep winning, 
you know, you beat Miami and BC, you're probably like top 15 at that point. Um, the, uh, I'm, I'm clicking around here to see, like, we have seen a lot of movement this year from, you know, expected, I guess, value of, of teams. Um, yeah, it starts, it starts clearing, the picture starts clearing up a little bit. I guess what I'm saying is if you're an ACC team and you're six and one, seven and one, you're going to be fringe top 10 at that point. And quite frankly, like, I don't think this is a playoff contender team. I mean, I could be wrong if we like really turn the corner and get loose. Um, but I also think we've played some of the tougher teams. I mean, we've played the hardest defense we're going to play in Clemson. Um, I was looking at that athletic article on stop rates. Clemson was number six. We're number nine in the country in stops. And for anyone that's curious what the hell a stop is, it's basically um, the percentage of defensive drives that end in a punt turnover or turnover on downs. It's just a really simple measurement. And after you go past Clemson and us, the next ACC team is Virginia Tech. We're not going to play them unless we meet them in a championship, so I don't care. Um, Pitt at 24, uh, Wake at 29, and then it starts really spreading out after that point. Boston College is 42, um, Syracuse 58, um, UNC is like 73. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, there's a big gap, you know, Wake's playing, playing decent, defense right now but they're not playing at a level that we've been playing at or where Clemson's been so I guess what I'm saying is it should be an easier putt going forward for the offense so you want to see things get better like yeah Louisiana Tech and Mississippi State aren't like massively ranked in this thing either but I could tell you that Mississippi State was clearly our worst offensive performance of the year and it didn't seem like it was necessarily because of them so as long as we don't get in our way, you'd have to think that there's plenty of upside as the season progresses. And if you can get into the back half of the season and we still only have one loss, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to keep the team out of the top 10 at that point, unless it's yeah. just a slew of everyone with one loss at that time. So, you know, let it play out. I'm still super annoyed because I agree. Like, you, the world looks a lot differently 5-0 and at this point. Even if you have yeah. a close loss with Mississippi State, people wouldn't be able to kind of write it off. And they're, you're, you're kind of getting to that point, I think, in like the top 25 rankings where everyone's just going in and putting all the teams that have zero losses, and then they're just filling it out in the back. And right. I don't know. I'd like to give like, a shout-out to our local writers who adjusted their rankings and ranked <laughs> NC State 21st this week. I was getting ready to say... Brownlow jumped us from 27th to 22nd in our rankings after not including State in the poll last week. I mean, if you want to say that you have seen enough of State historically and you want to see them not have the letdown game, then fine. But, like, they should have been 25. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm just... I just hadn't... I don't know what people have seen from... um, who was the, is it like UTSA or who is it that, um, UTSA is pretty good actually. Yeah. So I, I guess my point is, have you really seen enough from them to say they're better than a team that just beat Clemson? Like that, that's where I was right. Paused on that last week, but I'll get off my high horse about it. Um, well, it's the same thing with Wake Forest. Wake Forest is getting some top 15 votes. And we do too. We have Brett McMurphy hooking us up, but the man, the legend, <laughs> but Wake Forest is there. And, you know, people say, Oh, I got a nice win against the Louisville. Well, yeah, because they essentially cheated. <laughs> the Winston-Salem clock operator gave them that win. Yeah. And I can go back and look at it. Was, was it really that bad? That it was crazy. That play? It was. Yeah, it was insane. So what they say is he told them before the play that he was calling a timeout immediately after. And then, uh, but like, I, Here's what I say to that. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, unless all coaches get a... Like, coaches should have a button, right? That says, like, if I hit this button, it's when I want the timeout. You know what I mean? So, if the play's down, they can hit the button, 
the time. I, this whole nonsense of having to run up to an official and call the timeout or sit there yeah. with the official like right in front of their face as the clock is coming down. It's like 2021. Give them, give them a, a last second timeout button. Yeah, it was it's insane. But the, the nobody looks at nobody sees at the end. They're just like, oh, Wake beat Louisville, Wake's you know undefeated, so let's move them on up. But I don't know, man. Like Clemson wins and they and they drop. Carolina won. They dropped out of the poll almost completely. I actually don't see them anywhere on the. No, sheet. they're both out, which it, to me is shocking. Yeah, um, it's kind of wild. Like I, I don't understand necessarily what people. Like, if you cause the other team well, to shit the on. bed, shouldn't you get rewarded for that? <laughs> you would think, right? You would think. Yeah. I don't know. It's good to see Carolina out of the poll, though. Justice. Yeah. It's Yeah. It does. Yes. I'll you got to earn it. It does. Okay? Yeah. It does. <laughs> like, I, I hate... I, I'm curious, actually, to see when... Um, when does the college football poll start? The Week playoff eight. poll? Week 8. Okay. Yeah. I've got thoughts heels on that too. I really think we should just be bring 15. back the BCS computers. Oh God, no! But have four teams. I, I the human element drives me nuts. Like after that time when the Big Ten and the Big Twelve like literally like flipped two teams' rankings that hadn't even played that week, so that it would secure better bowls for each of them, is when I was like, "This is this is fraud. I, I can't I can't support these people." Yeah. <laughs> All right, so. I want to touch on this real quick because it was a hot topic in the pod chat during this game. The What do you make of the lack of crowd at that game? And uh, I think well, I know your answer. Expected. Yeah. Like, everyone's hungover at that point. Um, I wouldn't have had any recruits come to that game, if you, if, in my honest opinion. Um, it was fall break. Yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah. So, student section was going to be impacted. Um, it was probably a lot of people saying like, like, do I really want to go watch Louisiana Tech right now? If we win, we win. If we lose, same old state. Like, I'm not surprised, but like, attendance was crappy all over the board. Like, if you go back and look at that Wake you uh a Louisville game, like one, I didn't expect it to be an incredible crowd or something like that. But you know, it was Parents Weekend and there was no one there, and like it was Parents Weekend for our game against uh. Furman and like the there was a huge crowd all things considered so I don't know there there could be a lot of people kind of saying like I'm gonna pick and choose my poison maybe with like COVID risk exposure and like if it's not a big ACC game maybe I'm not going could be a factor I don't know but it was it was sad to see I guess but it is what it is it's not an indictment on the fan base, is what in my oh, yeah. my opinion. It was like that everywhere. I mean, LSU had folk had big patches of empty, and they're playing Auburn. Well, that's because all so, their fans are dead. Wow, <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there. Uh, my God. I told you, man. It's been a long week, and it's Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, regardless, I, like I didn't go to the game. I was. I, leaving for the weekend and i just i just needed a break like you said when we started like the podcasters need a break too and i I understand that i don't think it's any indictment on anybody who didn't go to the game i don't particularly care yeah Uh, i i just i I guess i'm not surprised um it was an evening kick so you think maybe hey a few people be interested but like yeah i think everyone just got emotionally like just took through the ringer the game before yeah right and it was just like did you go or did you just watch no i didn't go yeah i didn't want to miss my kids football games and right you know i'm leaving again i'm leaving this for the week so it didn't i just it was not highest on my priority list yeah exactly and so i don't blame anybody else for not going either like whatever they'll show up when you know the next home games here i have no doubt that it'll be packed so. Yeah, is the, ne- is the next home game, is that Louisville? Yeah, that's got to be, right? Yeah, they, I think so. Yeah, October 30th. Yeah. Um, that'll be a good one. A lot of red in the stands that game. No one will be able to tell that we didn't show up. <laughs> that's right. They won't notice. Uh, so we've got a couple questions before we get out of here. 
Who's your toughest toughest remaining game? Kind of talked about this last week, but who you got? I'm going to say BC for right now, right? They haven't collapsed like I was hoping to see. Um, I did not. I've, I've watched two plays from the BC Clemson game. So I have, I was going to watch it this week once things cooled down. So I'm not just saying it because it's the next opponent. It's just, it's, it's travel. It's a late game up there. So maybe more people will be around. Um, and they just haven't, they haven't folded yet. Uh, like I expected. So it'll be a really good test. And I want to see, I mean, I'll, I would say like my expectations for the season could like kind of hinge on that game where if you win that one, then I'm super confident about having a better chance of running the table and at least getting to the 10 and two. I mean, that's what my prediction is, but you lose that. Uh, then you start getting a little worried. Um, Cause if you lose because of offensive play calling or something like that, it's going to send just send a nasty taste in my mouth, I guess. But I'd say that and then wake just seem like the obvious ones right now. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I think Miami's on the verge of quitting. I think Florida State was on the verge of quitting, but they kind of got the W. I don't know if that changes things for them. They cost me a lot of money that game. I had, <laughs> I had Syracuse on the money line, and uh, I was watching the score, and I was like, oh, man, I, I will never doubt the Cover 3 podcast recommendations again. <laughs> <laughs> they were part of mine. I, hit, I had Cuse in the 4 plus 4, and I hit a 6-game parlay. But I missed uh, I missed our pool pickup, unfortunately. Oh yeah, I went three and two. That's the hardest yeah. game of the week for me every week is the pool pickup. It is. It's crazy. It's like so the for those who don't know, we have a pool that you just pick five winners against the spread. That's it. You can pick any of the games. You got to pick five winners. And to date, we are six six weeks in. Nobody out of I think there's probably forty people in that group has picked has gone five and zero for one of the weeks. It's hard. Yeah. And. Do we- I assume we do. Yeah. Is there a record board or whatever up there? Yeah, there is. Okay. I can go back all the years and weeks and whatever. Like I've done it a couple times, and if you do it, you win like the pool, which just keeps snowballing. So it's up to I don't know, eight hundred bucks or something like that. If somebody wins, somebody goes five and zero, oh, which is wild. You just can't do it. It's hard. But and so I agree. I think BC probably our toughest game. Wake right there. I don't. I just don't know. All right, question from Matt Murphy. What's your biggest fear the rest of the season? Mine is the staff won't realize we are in a shootout with a good offensive team like Louisville, Wake, UNC, until it's too late. Yeah. I mean, there's no way you go into those games and not be aware of it. I mean, I think we've played... The one time, I guess, we've played against Satterfield. I thought we did pretty well defensively, if we're being honest, right? And Wake is always, I guess, a threat to shoot out. Um, I, I would just be shocked if they came in and, like, I don't know, maybe my fear is they go into that Wake game and say, well, the last time we played them, we, like, ran all over them, so we're going to go run all over them. Um, I, I'm just going to agree with the, the questioner because I feel like it's the same thing. It's not necessarily that we won't realize it, but thinking that we can do whatever we want against a team that is capable. Like we just saw, like we just talked about for the last 30 minutes is like just to me, that is the biggest fear is that they're not going to utilize how good, how talented this team actually is because they are rigid with what they want to do with their game plan or how they approach the game. That is to me, my biggest fear. I mean, do you think that they could seriously go into this bye week and if they are, if they are honest with their self evaluations, not come out of it and say we have got to throw the ball more, at least early in games, first quarter. Like it seems pretty clear from all the games that, like when their backup was up against the wall or where they thought they really had to play an elite game, like Clemson, they shifted their approach. And I have just been wondering if the whole thing has been. We don't want to show anything before we get to conference play. And they tried, you know, because they seem to shift a lot of things for, for Clemson. And then I'd be curious to see if they do the same thing. It's coming out of the bye week. They're like, okay, now we're in conference play. We can't hide anything anymore. And we got to go 
empty it out each week. I mean, that that's my only hope for the staff is that they chose to game plan like they did in an effort to not reveal anything to Clemson and not reveal anything to any of the division opponents. I agree. I think that's probably about, about where I am. Just go utilize what you have. Go win. You have the talent. Go do it. Go use it. Something we didn't talk about last week is following the Clemson win, the NC State Clemson game. They announced NC State and Georgia will play a home and home series <laughs> in 2033. 20, 20, so clear 2035. Clearly, Georgia recognizes that we are the new power in the ACC and they want to get us on the schedule. Is that what? Am I interpreting that right? Yeah, that's what I said, right? You beat yep. you beat Clemson one time and they immediately think you're the big dog now. I pretty much. Honestly, you want my opinion? I would have never scheduled this series. Are you kidding me? Like, there's you just scheduled two losses. There's no way. Yes. Not, not by twenty thirty five. Man, in in what <laughs> decade would we have beaten Georgia in football? I don't care. I don't That's, care. I'm I just saying. Play I, I I don't know, man. You, you can't Probably. you can't beat South Carolina. You can't beat Mississippi State twice. But you're gonna get the second team in the SEC West. Oh, uh, they'll be. Corey will be in his thirtieth year here. <laughs> oh God, that's everybody's worst fear. I, well, if he's still around <laughs> at that point, obviously he has won multiple championships. He's won eight games for every year. That's just good enough. You know, maybe. I don't know. To me, <laughs> I <laughs> I would have rather just scheduled more games with South Carolina, who's someone we you know consistently recruit against and probably could could win. Um, That's fair. So I just kind of was curious about it. But you know, we tried to get LSU a while back. The other reason I don't get excited about this is LSU, you know, multiple times like I've seen LSU and these type of teams buy out and, and change, right? So maybe Boo was like these games are never going to happen and these idiots are going to pay us. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably exactly what's going to happen. You know. Yeah. Uh, we got an email that I want to talk about from our last podcast. We we're talking about the, I don't know, experience regarding the one fan who wrote in about moving the football stadium on campus. I think the fan will likely change his or her mind when he or she grows older. That person's old. I'll tell you that much. Um, going on when I was young, much younger at Tennessee state football games, I too griped about the distance from the main campus. But when I got older, had access to a car, Uber, the distance didn't matter. Now that I'm older, I prefer it where it is, to be honest. Proximity to 440 is good. Moving the stadium downtown, although fun, would be a nightmare. I agree. Can you imagine how many fights would break out in traffic if Carter Finley was downtown? The pass law. The pack lost to a 3-7 and seven Wake Forest team on Thursday night. Yes, I can. Uh, he goes on. I love the tailgate scene at Carter Finley, but I think trying to replicate it downtown will be problematic. Agreed. One other detail y'all mentioned in the latest pod. Will mentioned the train we were promised. The no train is being built. They will, they will be building a permanent train platform at the fairgrounds for the state fair. Every state fair, the Piedmont train between Raleigh and Charlotte stops to make to take passengers to and from the fair across from state. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Uh, permanent platform opens up a lot of pl- possibilities for when the commuter rail is eventually implemented in the triangle. NC, DOT, Rail Division, and Amtrak, with the support of NC State, should be able to work out a deal with Norfolk Southern to allow passengers to get off at the fairgrounds to attend football games. That is, of course, if Norfolk Southern folks aren't Tar Heels. Love <laughs> the podcast. Take care. There's a lot in there, um, but essentially we're talking about transportation. I know the – I think there is a train that goes from Raleigh to Charlotte for the Panthers games, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Okay. I think it would be really cool for, uh, for State. I don't know how realistic it is, but I know there are people that probably don't come because it is a, a chore to go to and from. But if there was an efficient rail system, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, I'm full. I'm full on board for infrastructure. So uh, yeah, I cannot disagree. Um, yeah, I was referencing the uh, rail system that was supposed to connect 
And the issue, if I recall, was um, RDU did not want to lose their money from parking because that's how you run an airport. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd be happy to see us do some um, some form of that. And the last thing I want to talk about, and I almost forgot until he mentioned about hiring Tar Heels, was the one of the senior associate athletic directors for NC State put out a tweet about his love for Cincinnati and how they oh yeah, congratulating them beating Notre Dame. And like I said, I was in the minority. I get, I get it. And like it was probably fifty fifty split on people who agreed with me. And people who thought I was being nitpicky. And, I, and like, 100%, I get it. That was my reaction. I was like, I don't like it. But I know that, you know, I was, it's not, um, it's not a universal opinion. Like a lot of these things, like, are disdain for the Tar Heels and things like that. You didn't have a problem with it, correct? Yeah. I mean, if it, it would be different if it was, one, an ACC opponent, two, a rival. I think I'd have a little bit bigger issue. I mean, it's Cincinnati. Yeah. They just beat Notre Dame. Like, it was a pretty big win. It's his alum. You know, he's an alum. I'm not I'm not going to get too worked up about it. Yeah. I, I just... I know that other schools and other athletic departments have... And, and other athletic directors. Because that was sent to me by somebody in that position as well. I was like, this is weird. And I was like, yeah, I think that is weird. But other schools have uh, like a no tolerance policy about it. But I think it is with anything with social media is like think twice before you send it. What benefit does that put out for anybody? Like what benefit does that have for anybody? It helps like, him feel good about his his. I life, guess you know. I guess, but it just and then raises this question: like, all right, since he starts playing NC State, who you know, where does that? Is there a conflict? Oh, is there? Well, the one time you know, we played them, they whipped the crap out of us, right? Right. So. Uh, I mean, or maybe that was the second time. I can't remember if we played them the year before. Uh, yeah, but we got what we. Oh man, that was that was the night we were negotiating the Adidas deal. I remember Yao was so pissed at Tom. Jeez, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I I got to I got to drop. So maybe we can. Uh, All right, so we'll wrap it up. But that I put that out there. That was my thought. I like again. I was in the minority. I, I don't like it. I still don't like it. But whatever. You know, that's. <laughs> The athletic department is the athletic department. I think there's a. I could probably have a more grand spiel about that, but to save some people's um, faces, I will not at the moment. But again, it's just another one of those things that looks suspect to me. You know, you pile it on with all the other stuff and it starts to stink. But whatever, I just had to address it. I know it was not the. It was not a popular one. All right, Will's got to go. <laughs> Right, I mean it's true. I, I knew where I was. I'm not. I'm not trying to like impart my beliefs on anybody. I just that was my thought on it. Will's got to go. Going to the bye week. I'm off to Kiowa to play some golf. There's content coming. We have a Sean Phillips commitment article. There's some other potential commitments pending happening things that we want to talk about. Got an interview with NC State offensive lineman Bo Wrestler coming out. So support the site, listen to the pod, retweet it, share it, all these things, whatever. As always, thanks for your participation, Will. Have a good week, and I will talk to you all later. All right. Go go back. back.